Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Film Critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson from Thompson and Hollywood. And this is our last podcast before the Cannes Film Festival. And we'll have all kinds of different things to talk about because by then we'll be bleary-eyed, exhausted from opening night with a million different anecdotes. And it'll just have gotten started. So there's all kinds of stuff right around the corner. I always try to make some room for some smaller regional festivals before I take the plunge and go to Cannes because there's a communal element to those kinds of festivals that you just frankly don't get at, you know, the Hollywood on Riviera madhouse that is the Quasette in the south of France. So right now I'm actually at Maryland in Baltimore for the Maryland Film Festival and I just got out of this really amazing filmmaker conference which and you've attended in fact anybody who saw your um, uh, keynote speech at the Art House Convergence earlier this year will see that you spoke about it a little bit and what's great about it is that it's this entirely off the record sort of group therapy session for the indie film world where just filmmakers and exhibitors and a few press people and other people who are just kind of involved in the American independent film scene kind of just talk through the various challenges of, of, you know, making it work. And I thought this was a really good year. I'm not allowed to go into specifics about it, as, as you know, Anne, but one of the things that I found really fascinating is that I'm starting to see people are getting more used to the idea of basically what it means to be a DIY filmmaker, to to understand what the VOD marketplace is, to kind of get behind the marketing of your movie and, and really get it out there the way that people consume media today. I mean, don't you think that we're finally seeing some progress here in some ways? I mean, it's, it seems like a different climate for independent filmmaking than it was just two or three years ago in terms of how people understand, you know, just how movies get out there. I actually think that there's um, some reason for optimism where on the one hand, the uh, studio side of the equation is is kind of locked up and still clenched in some kind of old um, paradigm. And the indies have have the uh, ability and there's been enough experimentation, enough um, results to, to sort of look at the numbers and see. Also, there's more money. There's there's more money invested in movies. There's more money coming from different um, outlets. Um, so it's it's actually a good time. I agree with you. I wish I could have been there. I love that Maryland thing. It's uh, great... I learned a lot when I went. Yeah, so I, I had a great time on the opening night of the Maryland Film Festival. It's just a, a breath of fresh air from most opening nights where if it's a smaller festival, sometimes they'll just book some star-driven movie so they can have a red carpet. At the Maryland Film Festival, they don't even try to compete for that. They show a bunch of short films, but it's not like a big block of short films. It's actually just a couple of them sort of curated and presented by some of the filmmakers at the festival. And so you end up really paying attention to the quality and, and each film gets its own positioning. And there were, I think, five short films 
that, that played this year, All-American, but so completely different. There was a, a documentary, there was a drama, there was a romantic comedy, and it was just, it was a really strong evening because I, I there was one filmmaker I was sort of familiar with, but for the most part I hadn't heard about these people before, and so to put them in that kind of, you know, prominent slot is it really creates a different sort of context for you know what a film festival can do and what kind of movies you know are really worth talking about and, and worth discovering the uh movie that i found most promising was the first one in the program it's from a, a young newcomer named pippa bianco and her film is called share it's basically about a, a young woman played by Taisa Formiga. she's a teenager who discovers that there's this sort of incriminating video of her that's being passed around by her fellow classmates. And it's this really intelligent look at how technology is sort of creating this really paranoid, claustrophobic environment for young people today. And it's, it's actually the only American film in the Cine Foundation section of Cannes, the, the short film section. So it was nice to get a jump on something that was at Cannes and also to see uh, a pretty good American movie that's going to be represented there. But it also, of course, got me thinking about, oh, man, like, Cannes right around the corner, and I'm going to be consuming a whole bunch of new stuff in just a couple of days. So now I'm, I'm going back and I'm going through this list, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, I know about these bigger movies, but what am I really excited to see, or what has the potential to surprise me? So what's at the top of your list now, Anne? You know, uh, for whatever reason, there's been an enormous amount of buzz around one title, um, which is Sicario, which is a $32 million movie shot in Mexico in English. Uh, Denise Villeneuve, uh, who we are already very excited by as a filmmaker. Um, and it's Benicio Del Toro, who happens to be in two movies, by the way. He's also in a movie called A Perfect Day, which is in the director's fortnight. And it, it's and Emily Blunt and Josh Brolin in The Hairs of the Drug War. And um, I, there's just a lot of it sounds very dark and very intense. Um, I can tell you that I was also looking forward to Mad Max, which is uh, Fury Road, which is under embargo. And I just saw it, and I'm so excited, and I am so thrilled, and I want to see it again. And yeah, I, I saw have it too. so much to say. There's you know, so much but, to say. You know, if people can read between it's so the lines. It's frustrating you know? when they don't let you say what you want to say when you want to say it. I find it very frustrating. I mean, I think part of the problem is that. There are so many different competing interests with a movie like that from the studio. It's a world premiere at Cannes. Right. That's the real reason. I'm sure the studio would love to have us rave about this movie. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say about it, something you can glean from the trailer, is it's not very dialogue driven. And so I think it's a movie that should be able to work really well on a global scale. So it's great that it's going to Cannes. That's an ideal platform for it. And I can't wait for us to be able to talk about it a little bit more maybe even next week once it screens. We will. We will. And I'm excited because I'm going to talk to George Miller on Monday. And I'm also excited because I've already seen Inside Out, which uh, showed at CinemaCon, which is also under embargo, which is also premiering at Cannes. And I'm going to talk to Pete uh, Doctor. So I'm I'm in a good mood. Yeah, you're covering some of the big ones early, which is always nice because, again, there's other things at Cannes that are more question marks, that are weirder, edgier, you may not have a chance to see them earlier, but Cannes is sort of the ideal place to talk about them. I mean, I've plugged before on this podcast how excited I am for Yorgos Lanthimos Lobster, which is in competition and sort of a bizarre sci-fi dystopian premise 
with a pretty solid cast, uh, Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, some others. Uh, Gaspar Noe's loved the 3D pornographic film, and Midnight just sounds like it's going to be nuts. Something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, that's a can experience. Watch out, Fifty Shades of Grey. I know. Well, I I was not remotely excited for that. The French know what they're doing, right? Oh, for sure. This guy certainly knows which buttons to push. I'll never forget the Enter the Void premiere I can when the movie wasn't even done. I, I mean, it's just that kind of oh. thing. It's maybe it's maybe it's not good. I don't know, but it might be an amazing experience, memorable, even yes. if it's bad. Yes. I've heard that there's a couple of things in competition definitely worth looking forward to. Sea of Trees, the Gus Van Sant film with Matthew McConaughey, of uh, Absolutely. that has screened for buyers and is getting some pretty solid buzz. So there's reason to anticipate another really strong Gus Van Sant movie, and it's been a while since he's been at Cannes with a really well-received movie, so that's something to anticipate. I would say and that... And the, um, the one that people are being skeptical about is the Michael uh, Fassbender Macbeth, because it's been booked at the end of the sure. schedule, which that's sometimes always, is a sign of weakness. Exactly. That's always how they mess with you, though. We both like Clouds of Sils Maria, and that was at the end of the festival last year. That's and true. And, of course, the, cla- the class screen towards the end, and that won the Palme d'Or, uh, mud screen towards the end, Jeff Nichols film, a lot of people like that. But Can likes to mess with your head. You know that. I mean, it's just sort of, there are other reasons why it might be there. I also kind of get the sense that Which, even if it's it already good, has a buyer. It's yeah, already a, it's Weinstein, a Weinstein Co. Movie. film, so it's, it's also, not for sale. And they tend to front load the movies that are for sale yeah, at the top of the festival. It, it's also, it's, it's a, a Macbeth movie. I mean, I, it, there's nothing that indicates to me outside of, you know, the cast that there's something about this movie that's going to change things up. We know how that story goes, you know? So I'm not I'm not super excited by something different there. In fact, neither of us are going to be around when it screens, so I think we'll be uh, okay. Uh-uh. We'll hear about it. Yeah. I'm very curious about Jeremy Saulnier's movie and director's Fortnite Green Room. He was there with Blue Rune a few years ago. He's a really uh, strong, rising voice in the genre filmmaking space. And this movie has uh, Patrick Stewart... It sounds like it's got this really deranged story, kind of Breaking Bad-ish, about a guy who makes meth and some neo-Nazis and, you know, lots of gory stuff. Oh, joy. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a blast. But, you know, I'm actually looking fun. forward to the, to, to the first uh, opening night movie. Now, often opening night movies are supposed to be, you know, the ones that you don't like. But for some reason, something about the way that um, Terry Fremo has talked about it um, and the way that it, it's, it's, it sounds, it's called La Tete Haute from Emmanuel Berko, and it sounds like one of those really intense explorations of, of what the society does to people who are poor and, and how it takes people and puts them into juvenile court and detention and so forth and what it does to families. And so I'm, I'm, sort, of, I'm sort of optimistic about that one. It's definitely something that has potential. You don't know if they put it in that opening slot, you know, solely for political reasons because they wanted a women director. I mean, it's been a while since they had a French film open the festival anyway, but it's certainly it's got potential. It's more exposure than it would get either way. And that opening think, night slot, you never really know. 
Yeah, my sense. I mean, the other um, interesting uh, case of a woman director is Natalie Portman, who um, is 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 really uh, going, you know, exposing herself the way Ryan Gosling and James Franco have in the past um, with the tale of love and darkness set in Israel. So I'll be curious to see with a cast from Israel. You know, yeah, I'm not holding out hope for that one. You're not optimistic? I think, you know, she's a talented actress and I hope it's good because her sensibilities have always been interesting in terms of the rules that she picks. I thought she was really good in Free Zone, the Israeli film a couple of years ago, so there are reasons to uh, sort of appreciate that this project exists. The fact that it's out of competition and it's a first feature from somebody who's famous just feels a little off for me. For me. I mean, at least with the Ryan Gosling movie, I think somebody can liked aspects of that movie and decided to put it in a certain regard. When it's out of competition, it's not always a bad movie, but when you look at these other ingredients... I mean, can likes movies. It means that they're afraid. They said they said that that they they felt that actor directors debuts get undue attention, so they wanted to take it out of the fray. I actually think that may have been the right thing to do. Yeah, and it might also just be sort of slight or, or minor in some ways. It might be fine, but not you know slam dunk, and and that could also be enough of a reason. I mean, Bertolucci's last movie, Me and You, that was out of competition, and it was a freaking Bertolucci movie, and it was pretty good. It was just, it was sort of a small film with two, three characters, so it made more sense than putting it in competition where maybe some tired press might boo it at 9.30 in the morning, and then, exactly. you know, uh, that is one thing I am not looking forward to are the duds and the way in which they are treated as such. You know, it's just so, it's just so cruel, the way that some of the international press it can chooses to have these knee-jerk reactions to movies that may or may not deserve them. You think about people booing Tree of Life. I mean, you, you may or may not like that movie, but the idea of just immediately rebelling against it like that and then, as a result, fueling the narrative that it was a dud it can for a small period of time. Obviously, it won the Palm d'Or. No! Just... It was, a, it was a, a winner right out of the gate. I mean, the reviews that immediately followed were supremely good. Um, but I, I, that's part of Cannes, you know. That's, that's, that, it, to be in the theater when they first showed something like The Piano or um, uh, Lars von Trier's um, What's Dancer in the Dark. I sure. mean, these are experiences I'll never forget. Antichrist, you know? that was something the, else. Or something else, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the other one I'm looking forward is Asif Kapadia's documentary about Amy Winehouse, which is sure. also out of competition. I've heard from and, people who have seen that, that it's actually quite good and that it, it gives you a real personal sense of what she went through when she was younger and, and how that informed her music. So, you know, the can doesn't show a lot of documentaries anyway, so you better hope the ones that get in are pretty good and, and this one has potential. There's also that documentary that's closing the festival uh, about, uh, it's a sort of a uh, environmental documentary. An echo doc, yeah. Right. And there's also um, uh, Kent Jones's Hitchcock Truffaut, which sure. I'm really looking forward to. That plays right into our wheelhouse, Eric. <laughs> Absolutely. For, for many reasons, I've been hearing about that project, and it sounds like it really is focused on taking those original Hitchcock Truffaut conversations from that book using some of the audio files to sort of contextualize them in Hitchcock's career. So that sounds like a fun one. I mean, the, the canned classic stuff that they show is, is usually pretty strong. It's just less likely to generate the kind of conversations that other movies at the festival are going to do. 
So well, Carol will be in the conversation. Sure, for I, sure. I can't wait from, to see Carol. Todd Haynes. It's been a while yeah. since Todd Haynes did something. A, a feature-length film period, I mean, and, and to do something that really uh, sort of plays into the award season narrative is also a reason for excitement, because even when he does that, as he did with Far From Heaven, there's sort of a, a touch of subversiveness to it, something different. You know, he's, he's got a certain kind of creative autonomy, and I'm, I'm just I'm really excited to see how this one plays out. It, it seemed like it was sort of a lock for this festival a long time ago, and that's always a good sign. So I'm also looking at things in the competition that may not generate a ton of conversation outside of Cannes, but could be strong enough to to sort of merit conversation while we're there. Son of Saul is his first feature from uh, uh, sort of Bellatar protege of sorts, and, and it's a Holocaust film. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. So yeah, it could go either potential. way, though. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they all can go either way. There's nothing that I expect will absolutely blow us all away. Ho Shao Shen has a martial arts movie. That sounds really interesting. Is it going to be a masterpiece or is it going to be a sort of curious departure from his usual, much more quieter format? I mean, who knows? Those kind of guys, if they do something that's strong enough, a lot of times they just kind of get in. I was on the set for... I always like Jacques Audiard. I mean, Jacques Audiard looks to promising. Pen. Sure, yeah. absolutely. And he's, you know, when they get a French filmmaker in there, it's usually one somebody like that. Rustin Bone was there. Especially a very competitive year. You know, they they had a tough time finding slots for all the strong French films that had that had juice this year. One movie I'm really looking forward to seeing, I don't expect it to sort of light the competition on fire, but it certainly has potential to get strong reactions, is this Norwegian director, Joachim Trier's new movie, Louder Than Bombs, which stars Jesse Eisenberg, David Strathairn, and a few others. I was on the set for this movie and when it was shooting in Brooklyn, and I really got a sense that there was something incredibly intelligent about the story they were trying to tell, some really strong performances. I don't think it's going to be the kind of movie that's going to blow people away because Trier, he's made some really great movies. He made a movie called Ozzo August, which uh, premiered in, in a certain regard a few years ago, sort of the day in the life of this junkie. And it was a very quiet, tender movie, incredibly you know melancholic and so forth. So not the sort of thing that's going to be, you know, perceived as hugely commercial. This one may be a little bit more so because of the, the cast, but it's it's probably going to be a smaller film. But personally, I'm really excited for a movie like that because it does feel like maybe a step up for a director who I've admired for a couple of years, getting a little bit more attention just by virtue of being in competition. Yeah, I look forward to that too. And also I'm interested in a movie called A Simple Man, which is directed by Stéphane Breeze, who did Mademoiselle Chambon, a movie that I really admired. And he beat out a lot of serious French competition to get into the festival, into the competition. So I'm interested in that. And of course, there's another animated film. It's not just uh, the Inside Out, the Pixar film that you mentioned. There's also The Little Prince from Mark Osborne, who is not a, a newbie at Cannes. He brought Kung Fu Panda there, and I remember a number of years back when that was at the festival, people were sort of like, really, Kung Fu Panda? But oh, it, it was great. Being, yeah, it's one it of the up, greats. It ended up being pretty good. So their sensibilities in that respect are stronger than people give them credit for. They don't like to put animated films in competition, but they do open them up. And The Little Prince is, of course, this classic friend story. The trailer looks very sweet, sentimental, 
I think it might be a nice sort of antidote to some of the, the drearier stories in, in this year's festival. And I'm also excited for something that's maybe cathartic after sitting through some longer, more difficult sort of things. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Gia Zanke, who uh, is a regular at the festival, has Mountains Made Depart, which is his first movie shot outside of China. And I think, again, his style is not for everyone, but it may be a really unique sort of change of pace. And I'm sort of curious about that. What else is there? It's, it just seems like the more you dig into this lineup, the There's more... There's a lot of possibilities. Questions. I mean, yeah. French actress-director Valerie Donzelli um, was in Critics Week with Declaration of War, a movie I really liked. That's Again, right. So this is another... And she made the competition with an incest-themed drama, Marguerite and Julianne. And so... That, and that's that, based on yeah. a Truffaut screenplay, I seem to recall. Oh. Right? A Truffaut script that was written like 30-some-odd years ago, and he was never able to get it produced. So there's a really unique backstory there worth digging into we'll see how it goes but i mean it, something like that having seen the, uh, her film at critics week a few years ago it is exciting to see somebody like that graduate so to speak to the competition because it's a statement and it does have an impact when you see the scale of the red carpet versus the absence of a red carpet at say critics week it really shows you what a difference that kind of decision can make I'm really, uh, you know, in some ways perplexed, but also curious about uh, Tale of Tales, which is Matteo Garone's film that's his first English language film. It's My got... instinct on that is to be skeptical for whatever reason. Well, like, sometimes these people don't necessarily do well in English with a big Hollywood cast. Exactly, but... It, As Sorrentino time, did not. But, but Garone is a really unique filmmaker and he's been in Cannes competition for a while but has always flown under the radar for American audiences even with Gamora which was a critical hit and just he's not somebody who's really been I think widely respected outside of sort of the Cannes brand of sensibilities and Tale of Tales looks maybe a little bit kookier for him it was uh there was a trailer for it which we ran a number of weeks ago and I know that it was really popular so that gives me the sense that there's a lot of curiosity around this movie. So I'm sort of, you know, fingers crossed. Who knows, though? I mean, how many times have you been to Cannes and been disappointed by a movie that you were really looking forward to? Many, many, many times. And there's always room for um, discoveries in the marketplace or, you know, uh, that's what's fun is when you get the buzz of something you've never heard of and you chase it down in some small screening room somewhere, you know, off the beaten track with all the buyers, you know, that's that's the fun stuff. Well, I look forward, and and uh, you and I will have many sleepless nights. Uh, but it's it's always fun. It's always something to to get excited about. Oh Hope yeah, springs eternal, Eric. It, it always <laughs> does until we get so exhausted that we just want to go home. And once that happens, you know, we just appreciate being back on on terra firma where we can watch movies on a more reasonable schedule. So we'll get there. But let's make it through some of the, some of the cinema first because I think we may have some really great surprises in store. And next week, we'll dig into it more more in depth. But in the meantime, you and I have to get to work on our curtain raises because early next week, people will be able to read more about what we're anticipating as we get a chance to sort of solidify those options. Till then, yes, I'm going to look into the more industry side of it while, yes. you, while, you, while you dig into uh, the, the critical. Okay, talk to you later. Let's do it. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.